to EduBlether, a new podcast discussing the hot issues within Scottish education. This episode features an in-depth look at growth mindset. We also have our regular features in the news, we recommend and inspired by. Follow us on Twitter at EduBlether. Hello and welcome to the first EduBlether podcast. My name is Jude Moyer. And I'm Jay Spain. And we are going to be talking about all things education. We're very excited to be starting this podcast. We are, yeah. It's yeah. been a long time in the planning, hasn't it? But we finally got there. Finally got there, eventually, after years of organising. <laughs> we've been able to get ourselves to the point that we're ready to record our very first episode. Um, throughout this episode, we're going to tell you all about what we're hoping to get out of the podcast, what we're hoping that you'll get out of the podcast, and um, formatting things to do with what we're going to talk about, things that we're going to be interested in sharing with you, and hopefully at some point we'll have contributors on the show, we'll have um, some of you will come onto the show and talk to us too. Definitely. But in this podcast episode, we're going to have a wee bit about us, so you can have a bit of context. We're going to talk about what's in the news at the moment. Um, and this week we're talking about Teach First, which is a new development coming to Scotland. Um, we'll have a feature, our main topic of conversation, where I'm sure there'll be a wee bit of disagreement and discussion about growth mindset. And then we're going to share um, some of our practice with you and what's inspired us this week, or this month, I guess. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do, so let's get started. Let's get started, indeed. So um, I'll start us off by talking about me, Yeah. one of my favourite subjects. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I thought it would be nice for us both to share with you our, how we both got into teaching, how we've both arrived where we are today. Um so I um, am currently a principal teacher at a primary school, um, but I, I didn't always want to be a teacher. I started my professional life, I suppose, as a um, film and media person, a media type. Yeah, one of uh, those creatives. <laughs> one, of, one of those arty ones that doesn't make any money. Um, so I studied film and media at university and went on to work at an art centre in a theatre. Um, and I was doing marketing and sales and marketing. Um, and at that job, I got very interested in um, working with children. And I actually worked on um, filmmaking uh, youth groups. So I was working with lots of young people and teaching them about how to make films. So I was putting my degree to use, which was excellent. And it was so creative and so fun and engaging. Um, and that was the first bit where I thought, where actually I really might want to um, make a career out of working with young people and, and being creative. Um, I got a few more opportunities to work with young people and teaching about how making films and doing animation and things. Um, but then there was a point in my life where it was to make that point between going fully down the media route or going down the, the education route. And I took the, the, the option of going for media. So I went to work for a magazine in Edinburgh. Uh, the List magazine, uh, and that was fantastic and really exciting and got to meet some fantastic people. Um, and I learned a lot uh, when I was sell selling advertising and learned a lot about media world, um, and it was really interesting. But I was still pining for that creative output um, that I had when I was working with children. Um, so eventually I made that decision and thought I, I would really like to get into primary teaching. Um, 
So I did the PGDE at my house in Edinburgh and um, it's been the best decision I made uh, because actually everything that I was looking for in terms of creativity, in terms of challenge, in terms of um, no one day being the same, I've found since becoming a primary teacher. Uh, and actually I would say that all those experiences when I was looking for that, so all the experiences with media, um, with sales, with working in an art centre, with teaching young people about making films. I actually use all of those skills every single day as a primary teacher. Um, and I think it makes me a better teacher. And I think it's it's um, it's made me uh, the teacher I am today as a result of that, actually. So it's a kind of long and winding road into education, but I, I've definitely found my vocation, my passion. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. That sounded very grand, didn't it? <laughs> it did a bit. But no, I'm glad. I'm Whereas Jace uh, has always wanted to be a teacher. I have, yeah. I've been uh, in education for a good while now. Um, but since I was at school myself, I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I guess because of some of the teachers that taught me, they inspired me and obviously got me into that, I would say, um, ignited that passion for working with young people. Um, I went straight to uni, uh, did a, an education degree in computing science, really into that subject. Um, but probably if you were asking me to pick between computing or education, my passion really lies in education um, rather than a subject. And that makes sense as to where I am now in terms of my my current job. I'm a deputy teacher at a secondary school. So hopefully you'll get a wee bit of a flavour from primary and secondary sectors. Um, there'll be some crossovers, but there'll be some unique things that we'll bring to this podcast. Um, I was at Stirling Uni um, and really enjoyed that experience. Um, I've worked in uh, various different authorities as a curriculum leader, but also in pastoral, so looking around pupil support, um, and really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed working with young people and making a difference. I know that sounds really cheesy and corny, but um, I, I really think there's no, there's no other job in the world that actually is better than teaching. And I think when you speak to other people and they don't enjoy their job, like, that's never come across my mind on a daily basis. Do you know what? No, me, me I've never me ever thought of that. And I think hopefully, um, hopefully that passion that Jason and I both have will be endearing and it will make you want to keep on listening. Uh, it may well be annoying and for that we, ap <laughs> we apologise. Um, and I don't know if you got the subtle undertones there where Jason was saying that he's in a much more promoted position than I am. <laughs> he does have a sense of uh, smugness about him as a result of that. But no. I do not. <laughs> but we would welcome your comments as well because we're on Twitter. Um, that's the only social media thing that we're on at the moment, but I'm sure if things kick off, we'll maybe be on other um, social media platforms. But we're on Twitter at EduBleather, so you can follow us, give us your suggestions on future episodes, give us your feedback, but be nice, please. Be nice. Yeah, <laughs> and also, first one. Um, if, if, if there were people out there wanting to help us and uh, be contributors to the podcast, we, we're really keen to open this up. And essentially, the reason that we're wanting to do this is because we, we realise that Jason and I, uh, we both enjoy discussing education and all things education, but we want to have that discussion as wide as possible, really. And we, uh, the, uh, our main goal, I would say, is to just to stimulate conversation about, about education. And even if it is only just with Jason and I, <laughs> at least we'll be having a good time. But yeah. if, you, if you want to come and join us, you're more than welcome. Definitely, because that's one of the reasons why we picked to do this, wasn't it? We had a look around and there wasn't really much out there in terms of Scottish education with that 
cross-sector primary and secondary yeah. and we just thought actually it'd be really interesting to have, have this kind of discussion. Yeah. So we're and hoping, it's, yeah. It's a, a, sorry to interrupt you there, Jason, so but it's just it's a really exciting time, I would say, in terms of um, Scottish education, lots of... Um, really interesting uh, discussion points in terms of Scotland nationally we're at a really interesting point I would say and there's lots of really interesting developments over um, certainly over the time that I've been involved in teaching um, some really interesting groundbreaking sort of leading in terms of education in terms of our world stage I think Scotland mm -hmm. but there's also a lot um, that maybe we think could be done better and I suppose that's what we're trying to say is not that we've got all the ideas it's just we're trying to show that we're we're engaged and we're wanting to be critical of things and we're wanting to analyze things so um, yeah it's a really exciting time for us and hopefully um, we'll be able to say things that are of use to people definitely and just yeah. maybe make you think about things engage critically with some of the things that we've suggested as well mm. um, so let's without further ado go into our first section then which is in the news so we're hoping with this feature we'll bring you some topical things that are current at the moment. So this week, or this month, we've chosen um, the recruitment crisis that mm. currently is in Scotland, but potentially around the world actually, but certainly in the UK, the number of people wanting to go into teaching has reduced. We're hearing in the news and the media all the time about vacancies going unfilled, Several yeah. times. Is this a, is this a big problem for you and your school, Jason? Actually, because uh, both Jason and I work in in terms of uh, a management position within our schools, um, so responsible for finding cover recruitment, trying yeah. to get people to fill positions. Um, and I know it is something uh, that we're finding difficult in the primary sector. Uh, speaking to my primary colleagues, it's something that's that's across the board. Really, it's it's really hard to find people to find positions. It's hard to yeah. find supply teachers. There are just not enough teachers about, about at Definitely. the moment. Um, and I think it is, I mean, there's obviously issues in the primary sector, but there's definitely issues in the secondary sector, and there's particular subjects that are shortage, so the STEM subjects, and, and you can see that with the, the focus on recruiting these areas, so the, the bursary that's been announced um, yeah. recently to get people into these areas. And I, I, I guess if you were to look at why people aren't coming in, is is the profession attractive enough? Are people paid enough? Are is there enough development opportunities? Um, is the working week what people want out of their 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 time? Workload is that an issue? You know, we need to be having this conversation about why are people not coming into teaching? Because we're here talking about how amazing the profession is yeah. and how much we get out of it. But that should be attracting loads of people. It should be, and actually, I think it's it's a shame that it's not. If we were probably being honest with ourselves, though, as well, there's lots that we would like to change. As much as we yeah. are, in, mm -hmm. we're <clears throat> passionate about this. This is something that we've both found, and hopefully, again, that's that's coming across. But there's still lots that I I don't think right, and I think yeah. that we're we're just doing because of our love of it, because it's mm -hmm. something that we're passionate about. But actually, it shouldn't just be reliant upon passion or and goodwill. goodwill yeah absolutely to be able to feel because that, actually that's not sustainable in yeah. any shape or form and that's that's the crisis that that we're seeing and i think the these statistics about saying that on average and again i'm i'm sorry i'm being a bit of a luddite here i've not got the statistics in front of me but the the amount of people that drop out of the profession within five years in terms of sustaining and retention of mm -hmm. staff 
that is that is a big issue that we really need to think about um, and that is being addressed in some way in yeah. terms of Scottish uh, government are, are, yeah. are, are looking at that just now one of the ways that they've tried to think about bringing that in is this somewhat co- controversial issue of, of, of Teach First yeah. and, and Teach First is, is not new I mean in Scotland at the moment it doesn't exist no. But in England and Wales, they do have a scheme of Teach First and they, they probably have a slightly different um, system in that they have teachers in their school, but some of them are qualified, some of them are not qualified, but they're all registered mm-hmm. um, as teachers, but they're paid differently. Mm-hmm. I think we're quite proud that in Scotland we have the GTCS, we have um, quite high standards in terms of our education system about the you know the standards for registration, the yep. full standards, the leadership and management it's standards. It's a really robust process in Definitely. order to become a registered teacher. And I think that is something that's yeah, worth that pride. And I think this system potentially brings some of those questions to the fore that mm. actually if we're gonna say that I mean you went through the years programme, the mm-hmm. PGD, I my degree was over four years I was teaching over time. Mm-hmm. Um that both of those programmes offer enough time in terms of you in schools and university. If we're saying that potentially a Teach First um, programme is introduced without that level of rigour mm-hmm. and making sure that people are in, you know, after six weeks in the classroom teaching lessons, what are we doing to our profession? What are we doing, to, yeah, to that profession that, that I think needs to be held up as one of the most important professions mm-hmm. That there is, because I think without teachers, without teachers that are committed to developing pedagogy, being critical, being a research-led um, profession, without that, taking that away, which, again, we can go into the into a bit more detail with this, and I'm not saying Teach First would do that, it just makes us question that. But I can't see how it does anything but dilute that mm-hmm. and dilute the profession and actually... Yes, I understand that there are huge issues that need to be addressed here and I, I don't want to be overly critical because I'm not saying I've got an answer yeah. and I don't know how to address the, the the current recruitment crisis that is there and I'm not saying I've got the silver bullet that will fix it mm-hmm. but I don't think the way of fixing it is parachuting in people who are um, graduates, not, not in any mm-hmm. profession related to education, graduates that actually the research is showing, as as you've mentioned, that it's it's already happening in England and Wales. The research shows that this is a stepping stone to something else. Yeah. This is for them to develop and then go on to a further career, a more a highly paid career after education. It's not it's not gonna make us have more teachers that are staying in the profession mm-hmm. and then for, it, for a long term. Absolutely. And then does it also do we end up having a two tier system in terms of we've got a teacher who's fully qualified and really embedded in practice and professional learning and then do we have someone who's essentially treating the job as a job and it's not a profession or a vocation and they're not invested as much because they're just there for the salary um, and they're not really in it for the right reasons and we have a two-tier system and I think for me that's a really dangerous position to be in but I, I totally get I mean you can see that as far back as the beginning of this session, so August time, there was around 700 posts vacant across Scotland. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you run schools without 700 teachers? 
That's true. But I think I think looking at it from the perspective of what we could, what can we do just now that's a quick fix? And yeah. I, I think teach first might be a quick fix, and that may be a necessary evil in the current climate. But I think what needs to be done is to have a current a look at the situation to yeah. think about why is it that that teachers are working more if we're looking at. EIS kind of working our surveys and teachers across the nation are saying they're working far more than mm-hmm. they're getting paid for. We're getting teachers who are um, under-resourced. They're not getting the support of senior leadership teams. We're get, there's There are huge amounts of pressures there that could be addressed and worked on to aid retention of staff rather than, I think, I, I, I don't want the discussion of what's not working mm-hmm. to be ignored Absolutely. because we can fix the problem and fill a position. Because for me, I think, as I said before, I think teaching needs to be revered as this this science. It's a, it's a scientific process. Mm-hmm. It's not just something that, yes, because you've got a maths degree, therefore you can go in and teach. And actually, for me, it just you mentioned at the start, actually, that education's your passion not so much computing and actually it's 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 the same for me it's about learning it's about having that learning dialogue yeah, it's about so you're teaching children you're not teaching a subject in the secondary school exactly you're, you're engaging that young person in learning whatever they're involved in yeah i think that's really important and but if, if we take away from that and if we say that that can just be filled it's purely just mm-hmm. we need a body in a classroom yeah. then, how would you feel uh, and i've used this analogy before but how would you feel if you walked in to your gp's office and they said well actually i'm not a qualified gp because that's a scientific <laughs> yeah. process that's something that you do need experience you do need to be fully confident to be able to do absolutely and it's it's embedding in knowledge and practice over a really long period of time for a doctor and there's they've got their own professional body but i think you've got to look at this longer term as well that actually teaching used to be revered as one of those professions with lawyers doctors Mm -hmm. that was one of the best things that you would go in to do and we've got a big problem that people don't see teaching as an attractive proposition anymore. Yeah. And we're seeing that decline just now, but we might see in the next couple of years more people retiring. How are we going to fill this gap? Mm-hmm. At the moment, it's 700 teachers that are that are vacant. What if it's double that, yeah. treble that in, in a and year And what's alarming is we've got Edinburgh schools that are, uh, like, pleading parents to be able to come in and teach yeah. higher maths because yeah. they've got... That's nowhere near where we should be. And in terms of thinking about huge, big key issues like reducing the attainment gap Mm -hmm. and and trying to create a workforce that are ready for uh, jobs that we don't even know what they are going to be yet, we need to have a really sound, deep understanding of what it means to be a teacher, to teach these thinking skills, problem-solving skills about social relationships that comes from being a qualified teacher that's that's written into the standards of what makes us professionals how are we going to have that if it's people just coming in and it's predominantly middle class yeah graduates that are going being parachuted into lower attaining schools that are the attainment gap mm-hmm. just how patronizing is that first and foremost to be able to say just because you've come from a more privileged background you're going to have a good impact on a school that and i think also to touch upon that if we're saying that okay parents can come in and teach a subject like maths a fundamental subject Mm. like maths then we're devaluing what our teachers are doing so 
why do we have teachers if someone with knowledge, if we're going back to that idea of teaching <laughs> is about knowledge rather than about how we engage people and young people with learning, then we're really we're on a slippery, slippery slope. I yeah, think. and I think that's taken a huge backward shift because it's 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 putting knowledge acquisition up there mm-hmm. as being fundamental. So it's purely it's purely about these passing on of knowledge, yeah. uh, of that collective wisdom of that I've gained this and I can impart that upon you. But in terms of anybody worth their salt in education mm-hmm. just now, cri- criticizing that from an understanding of learning theory. A pedagogy would say that that doesn't work. That's not that's yeah. not what it is. It's beyond that. And you're right. We cannot possibly begin to tackle some of our big problems in society. You know, the poverty related attainment gap, unless we have the best teachers. We cannot possibly tackle some of these things. But yet, if you look at the 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 politics of it all, we've got for the last however many years, teacher numbers have been kept. Mm-hmm. where they are mm-hmm. um, so the funding's been put into that at national level local governments are, are trying really hard to have the same number of posts but yet we're still having these vacancies and I guess my question would be is okay are we getting the best people now so mm-hmm. we're still getting maybe three or four applicants for each job but 10 years ago was that maybe 30 or 40 applicants mm-hmm. and you were picking the absolute best candidate so are we, as well as employing people, are we devaluing a wee bit of the candidates we're actually getting and not getting the right quality mm-hmm. of people? But I think, and there's also a step there that we're missing, though, is it, it's about how do, we, how do we ensure that, it's almost like a PR job, yeah. how do we ensure that people know that this is such a good job that, that mm-hmm. you and I and many of our colleagues mm-hmm. are so passionate about and are so invested in how do we how do we communicate that message more effectively? But then also, how do we ensure that that message is the message that's the right message? So how do we make sure that the teachers that are in our school are feeling like that, yeah. are feeling empowered, are feeling that they have job satisfaction because they're being yeah. creative, they have control, they are able, they're kind of manage and change themselves. And I think this is these are messages that we're seeing as good practice. Is that we're trying to say that actually this is good practice, this is what we're aiming for, this is what we want our teachers to feel like, but vast numbers of teachers aren't feeling like that. Mm -hmm. So I think there's that sort of recruitment, but how do we recruit more people in? But how do we also make sure that the message that's going out is true and accurate, that actually teaching is a fantastic profession Mm -hmm. and there's so many people that are disenchanted with it at the moment for genuine, yeah. real reasons that aren't just superficial people that aren't uh, invested in it. Actually, yeah. there's there are key fundamental issues with with education at the moment that's causing people to fall mm. I think out. there's that, but there's also, we have an image problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. Not yeah. you and I, but... <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not us. But generally, we have an image problem because we're up against the fact that every single parent... And every member of society has been to school. Mm-hmm. They have engaged with teachers, mm-hmm. so they think that they know what the job of a teacher is like. Mm-hmm. You only have to, you know, have anecdotes about when you see young people out in the street and when you're shopping or whatever, they, they're like, wow, you're a celebrity, because they think <laughs> you go into a cupboard and come out and teach. <laughs> yeah. But everyone has that shared understanding that they've all been at school so they think, well, teaching is not that difficult. The hours of the day, all the holidays, holidays all yeah. of those kind of things. 
I think that's the big image problem, and I think people think that anyone can teach. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that a lot as well. It's that shared understanding, that collective understanding of, oh, well, I know what a teacher mm-hmm. is. And and a lot of parents are coming at it mm-hmm. from a point that there's been transformational change mm-hmm. over the last 15 years in terms of education and what that means. Like since both you and I were at school, yeah. that's changed a huge amount. But I think parents, carers are still looking at that thinking, well, I know what that means. I know what that is. And they're almost maybe judging us against what their idea of a teacher was Absolutely. but I think part of that comes from and part of what I'm alluding to in terms of transformational change is down to one the job is so different and that goes down to a, a, a wider understanding of assessment procedures a wider understanding of learning a wider understanding of brain development mm-hmm. I think that's been a huge shift in terms of educational practice the other thing in term and not wanting to constantly be negative or critical is that I think a lot more is being put on teachers. Certainly teachers are more accountable. Now. Exactly. And I think yeah. and quite rightly so, I think yeah. it's a really important job and you want to be confident that actually the people in schools are doing the best job they can. Mm. And school leaders are doing the best job, local authorities, government, you can see that it's their top priority yeah. um is education. And there's no there's no um, issue with it being accountable, but with that accountability, you need the resource, you need, you know, we need the best people, and how do we get the best people? I'm not sure if if, if Teach First is the right long-term solution, mm-hmm. but maybe, I mean, ultimately we need people in front of children, Yeah, you know? Yeah, and that's maybe that's the, the short-term reality. solution. It might be a short-term solution, I think, w- with it, Again, if that solves that problem in the interim, of course, I'm not going to stand here and say, well, I would turn children away from the school door. But what I think, if it goes without being criticised, without being analysed, without having some form of rigorous and robust assessment procedure going along with it, I think it's really, really dangerous territory that we could be getting ourselves into. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's why it's important that we're having a discussion. It's why it's important that everyone looks at this. And it's also worth us mentioning that this is just in the tendering process. It's not it is, this is something yeah. that is happening, but it is something that it's predicted to be happening. And given the teacher shortages that we have, this looks like a very realistic proposal and something that could mm. be here in, in schools going forward. Um, okay. Yeah, so I think we've chewed the meat <laughs> off the bone there. <laughs> we have. That was a very good uh, discussion. Good work. So now as part of our main feature, we're going to discuss growth mindset. Lots to discuss with a growth mindset, isn't there, Jay? Totally. And I think probably the starting point for it is a definition to hang our conversation around. Yeah. And probably who better to go to for that definition than Carol Dweck, who um, has written a book about growth mindset? Yeah, I think she was... I mean, I think obviously there's the, some of the theories and some of the things that she talks about existed before her, but she's she's very much the, the person that, that is coined the term growth mindset maybe more accessible for people yeah and she wrote the book mindset um with the subtitle which again sounds very grand but changing the way that you think to fulfill your potential and i think that actually sums it up really Mm. growth mindset it's about Mm -hmm. changing your thought processes changing the way that you think in order to fully fulfill what you're capable of Mm -hmm. and i think what what a really kind of grand thing for for us to aspire to Definitely. She says here it's a self-perception or self-theory that people hold about themselves. So believing that you're either 
intelligent or unintelligent is a simple example of a mindset. But we're talking about a growth mindset. So the idea that in your personal and professional lives that you will maybe have a different attitude to things. And I guess I'm good at something, I can be better at it than I currently am by putting that effort in. It's yeah. the key thing, isn't it? And we don't want to ask, go into too much detail here about what a growth mindset is because if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you're working in a school and we would say that you'd be hard-pressed to walk into a school at the moment without coming across growth mindset and Definitely. coming across the work of Carol Dweck. So I think hopefully we can have that shared understanding that it's about improvement, about changing the way that you are thinking about yourself and your ability, your innate ability. Um I think for me, Jude, growth mindset is about everything that we do. So it links to restorative approaches, it links to professional learning as teachers, you know, it really encompasses everything. And ultimately, it comes down to learning, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. If if we believe in learning, then we have a growth mindset. Yeah. If we don't, then we have a fixed mindset. So... I agree. It's quite it's, fundamental, isn't it? It's it's a huge part of what we do, and it's almost if 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 you cannot buy into a growth mindset, if you if you cannot really truly embed it into everything that you're doing, I would be as bold to say here that I do not think that you can teach because exactly. Nor should you. Yeah. Nor should you. Yeah, <laughs> and I think actually it it is about learning. I mean, learning about our understanding of learning theory and what learning is, and our understanding of brain development and cognition shows us that we go from a point of not being able to do something uh -huh. through hard work, through effort, we can then have positive results at the Definitely. end of that. And that's a very simplistic view of it, but that's yeah. something that you need to have there as part of your teaching and learning. I, I mean, I guess if you don't have a growth mindset, let's just close all the schools, sack all the teachers, <laughs> and there's no point in having an education system <laughs> if we don't believe in that people can move on in their understanding of something or develop skills yeah. um, as they move on, you know, from from early years into primary, secondary, and into lifelong learning, people are developing yeah. by the effort they put in. This is it. I mean, progress is what should be the like the cornerstone of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. That's 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 everything. That's what we should be aspiring to about making progress, constantly making progress. And that I think is is the building blocks of growth mindset. I'm very, very aware now that we're sounding quite evangelical. <laughs> and I, don't, I don't want to turn into we're a not preacher. Preaching, no. yeah. But I, I suppose in order to avoid that, <laughs> if we can structure that around, we're going to maybe discuss about why is it different? How, how, where, what place does it find in this current curriculum, educational yep. climate? We'll think very much about the positives. Of course, we're going to have several positives to the approach, the growth mindset approach. Um, then I think it would be timely to discuss negatives, some of the pitfalls, some of the caveats that we found uh, anecdotally, um, but just also through reading research. Um, and then hopefully we'll try and pull that all together to give maybe more of a balanced view than we've just given we'll there. We'll try to be more balanced, yeah. <laughs> a couple of minutes. But I think in terms of the positives, let's start with young people. Yeah. The positives for young people is that idea of aspiration, that they can do anything they want to do. Yeah. And that's quite powerful, isn't it? That that's, that's huge. I think for me, I think I have this love of learning. I come from a family of educators, um, maybe not always in that traditional sense, but I'm very much from... I, it was 
drilled into me from a very, very early age. Some of my earliest memories was was with my mum telling me that I can do and achieve anything uh, as long as I work hard to put my mind to it. And that, that has really defined me, who, I, who I am. Yeah. And I think that's really important. What you've said there is your family and that's the impact they've had on you. Sadly, not everyone has that kind of yeah. supportive structure. But it's so powerful that if you believe you can do anything you want to, if the effort's put in, you know, obviously you need to put the effort in, work really hard. You might not get it the first time. You might get there second, third, fourth time. Um, then you can absolutely achieve anything. And, and that must inspire young people. It must, you know build resilience in young people when things don't go well and there's a different route or path to their to their learning. Yeah, and um, it's I suppose it's not just something um that we can look at theoretically and think, yes, that, that would work or yes, that has a had an impact on my life, therefore I can see how that can work with teaching. Growth mindset now has been around for a long while, as we've said, it's 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 present in, in many, many schools that you walk into now. But we're seeing firsthand the impact that has on children's life, on, on the young people, because they're now coming into a classroom ethos that's been set up with growth mindset, believing that they can do anything, believing that failure is good. That's what we're looking for. We've In my class, we do this thing where we applaud and we get really excited and we have a wee celebration when somebody fails or when someone does something wrong uh -huh. because actually that's that's failure and it, yes again it's a bit cheesy I'm the primary teacher here but <laughs> failure is just first attempt in learning that's mm -hmm. it it's just that opportunity to take a step back to think about what went wrong to think about how we can improve now that's just good teaching that's Definitely. just good quality teaching right there and there not because we're labelling it growth mindset. It's just something that's embedded. It's there across everything that I do in the classroom. Yeah. And seeing the children's faces light up when they're, I'm not shouting at them because they've yeah. failed, we're getting excited about that. It's, it's really yeah. empowering. I think one of the things that strikes me about something we've had a conversation about before is, is this idea in your classroom where you almost ban the idea or you, you don't promote the idea that young people, they can't say the word can't, like, I can't do that, or yeah. this is impossible, you know. And that whole use of language that can't is actually not a word in your vocabulary, yeah. because you can do it, you might not get there first time, but you will succeed. And I'm sure there's a, a famous saying that if you <laughs> fail, then, you know, you keep going, you keep going. Yeah. Absolutely. Unless you're skydiving. <laughs> well, <laughs> Which if you fail the first time... Then you don't keep going. <laughs> Absolutely. I guess maybe some things there aren't. That you can't have a growth mindset for. <laughs> Absolutely. What about for teachers, though? What, what are the benefits or positives for them? For me, I think... And it's interesting because it's... Uh, it's Again, again, without the sounding preachy, it's the closest thing I have to religion in terms of like a way of life. It's something that's it's just ever present. It's mm -hmm. something that I do having a positive attitude, really thinking about improvement, self betterment, and that's something that that I'm bringing into it. And I think for me, it, it was very easy to take that up. And when I read Carol Dweck's book, um, it just spoke to me, and it was something that I was thinking. Actually, I do a lot of this already. I really think I do have a growth mindset. It's something that I can model and embody. But I think it's really important for teachers to have that self-assessment, mm -hmm. to think about where they're at, and think about naturally do they fall within a fixed mindset or a growth mindset? Are there areas of their life where they are maybe more 
mm-hmm. in a fixed mindset. And by fixed mindset, I'm meaning someone they just believe that their skill set is set and it's mm-hmm. it's not flexible it can't move it's rigid their intelligence is fixed uh, so you get lots of people teachers saying oh well i'm just no good at teaching art so i'm not going to do that so i actually think there's that sort of real looking inwards yeah, first that absolutely. is really important for teachers and that's quite common you hear that isn't it that yeah. people identify the things that they're not good at but what are they doing to improve that because i guess we're probably the first to admit that you're not you you're not going to become overnight someone who's amazing at art. But if you work, maybe chunk it down, you know, into smaller steps, you'll get to a point where you're you're probably happy with your ability in art, aren't you? Yeah. You might not get to a point where, you know, you're producing masterpieces and selling them around the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's another, that's, that's a really good point you make there, Jess, because I, I don't think growth mindset is this um, silver bullet approach. It's this sort of really sort of, um, something that can fix everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's important in that sort of what I was getting at is about that looking inwards. It's about trying to think, right, what is it? Where am I? Who am I? What am I good at? What are, where are my strengths? What are the areas that I need to work at and develop? And it's not going to say that if you subscribe to growth mindset, then you're going to be able to do everything and anything mm-hmm. overnight. Exactly. That's the point. And actually what I really love about it is that it encourages that inward looking, that, mm-hmm. that ability to think, okay, but what do I need to improve and what do I need to do? Where am I going to be able to improve? And that's a really important thing for educators to do, I think, because if we're constantly, every day, standing in front of children, preaching that, mm-hmm. you have to practice what you preach in that Absolutely. And, and I think you're the first to admit as a practitioner that you are not the finished article. Yeah. And probably nor will you ever be because mm-hmm. you will always have something that you can be better at, you can learn, you can develop. You know, there's always going to be something you can work hard at to get better at. Um, but that will take time. And I think the time factor is really, really important that people, we're almost living in a culture now where we expect everything instantly. And there's maybe a wee bit there of a culture that some people maybe don't want to work for that because they expect things to happen straight away. So yeah. learning the piano, you expect to be amazing at it like that, don't yeah. you? And actually... That takes years and years of practice, hard work, determination to get to that point yeah. where you failed loads of times and you get there eventually and yet you're still learning. I agree. And, and it's a really interesting thing as well because I think all of that, if you, if you can embody that for, as, as a teacher, standing in front of the young people, they're going to get a huge amount out of that. And you've mentioned before that not all young people and we've talked about the attainment gap and it's a big part of, of what we're doing as teachers at the moment there's there are young people that do not have this positive attitude in front of them at home and, mm-hmm. and I was fortunate enough to have that at home and I that was sort of instilled in me from a very very young age there are some children that are coming into school believing that they are failures mm-hmm. and I think if if they have a teacher in front of them that's displaying a fixed mindset mm-hmm then I think that we're doing them a disservice there because we need to show the children that we make mistakes, that we are not perfect, that we're we're not the finished article. Exactly like you said. But the most important thing for me is to to smile at that Mm -hmm. and to to embrace that and to say, yes, I I 
totally messed that up. How can I do better next time? What can I do to improve? What can I do to make myself a better person? Smiling about it, being happy about it, being open and honest about it and having that dialogue with the children about it is a really, really powerful thing. So it's not something I think that you can just teach. No. It's got to be part of you and who you are, doesn't yeah. it? In terms of your outlook on life, your ethos, what you believe as a person. Yeah. But I guess we've we've highlighted loads of positives here and, and I think we can't emphasise that enough that it really touches upon everything that we do in our life, but there has to be something that's wrong with it or something that there's a danger point. What do you think? Yeah, for me, it's interesting because I think I've been, um, I, I read the book about, three years ago so it was when I was very very new in terms of teaching mm -hmm. um, and it's something as I say that just spoke to me it was something that I really wanted to embed in my classroom and I was always aware of it when when I was setting it up so the students in my school if I like there's some we play a game where you have to hide in the bushes sometime and I have to spot them and it's a really fun outdoor learning game called camouflage and sometimes they have to make a noise and I say make a noise like Mr Moyer and all of them go oh I just can't do it yet or have a growth mindset or positive attitude and it's really funny because I've been clearly been banging it on about yeah. it for years now <laughs> and it got to a point so trying to drill in on a negative there it got to a point I had a class that I I, I sort of taught really for three years. I taught when they were in primary five. I taught some of them support for support for learning in primary six. And then I had them again in primary seven. So I really saw the development there through all of second level, really. Mm -hmm. um, and they were really jaded whenever I mentioned growth mindset. Okay. They were just like, oh, not again, Mr. Moore. Come on, this is just, you, you're banging on just about like it Just like it's a fad or an initiative. Exactly. That kind of Initiative, idea. exactly. And that's we're the doing one. it and that's it. We're you know? doing it. Oh, it's growth mindset. Uh, it's Tuesday, so it's growth yeah. mindset. It's part time. of a timetable. Tick a box. Yeah. We're, we're growth mindset. And yeah. I, I fear that if we view it like that, like a silo, something that's been dropped in, that we have to do, that it's a text bo tick box that's in the improvement plan, so yeah. we have to do it, I think we're doing it a complete disservice. So I think there's a there's an inherent danger in just the title, growth mindset, and mm -hmm. in, 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 in labelling it something mm -hmm. like that that's so unnatural. And I think maybe if we were to view it more just with those um, sort of in, inherent qualities that we're trying to get, mm -hmm that we're trying to promote, like positive attitude, resilience, determination, uh, effort, actually it would be enough to yeah. just call it that. Yeah, I guess it's really about being solution-focused and positive as well, isn't it? Yeah. And, and inclusion comes into all of that, about no matter what problem that you come up against, there's always something we can do. So it kind of links in with that as well. So, I, you know, we've spoken earlier in the episode about the language we use, Maybe that's part of it that we need to address that. Yeah. Because it is there is a danger in, and we're so overwhelmed as teachers with so many things to do. You talked about the improvement plan there, about having things to do. And, you know, to manage our time and workload, we have to do that. But something like growth mindset will have to be embedded within the culture of a school. Yeah. And wouldn't be completed within a year, tick box, would it? It no. would be something that actually a school has been working on. It's it's promoting that positive attitude and ethos for years and years. Yeah. And I think that's it. It's a it in the spirit of growth mindset, it has to be something that we work on. And it's about really 
rigorously self-evaluating how we're doing as a school, speaking to the children, mm-hmm. understanding their voice on it. So when they're saying to us, oh, I don't like the term growth mindset, actually we need to be mindful of that and think, right, okay, well, how can we address that? How can we constantly adapt so that it's not just an initiative, it's not just a tick box exercise, it is just embedded in our school values now i think that's where it comes in and actually school values are incredibly important and if they're reflecting the qualities that we're looking for out of growth mindset i think it's it's enough just to i think we've got to a point with growth mindset now and it's it's really exciting to see a whole uh, sort of generation of teachers and people loads of professionals looking at it and thinking about teaching children about how the brain works and about building neurological pathways and I've got primary threes been able to talk to me about synapses and stuff mm-hmm. within wow. their brain it's amazing um, and there's so many great resources to support the development mm-hmm. of that I just think it's it's really critical for us at this moment to be taking a step back and saying right okay we've been doing that for three four years now that's been part of the improvement plan i would i would think as a school leader that it's embedded across the school i think there's consistency mm-hmm. i think it's important and I'm, I'm sort of bringing it up here as a potential pitfall it's really important for us to assess the impact of that mm-hmm. and to assess and that's it's not it's something really that we're hard get a number to assess on. Yeah. Though, isn't it because we're we are absolutely we're trying to demonstrate impact you know all the, the stuff about the pupil equity fund the scottish attainment challenge we need to demonstrate our impact but how do you have something tangible to show that actually with so many variables that what you're doing is linked to growth mindset and yeah. the attitudes that people have yeah. but the research does show you you're absolutely right that people who have positive attitudes who praise effort rather than attainment or intelligence ability, yeah. ability then the rewards are brilliant. Yeah. And I think that's it as well. It's it's sometimes and teachers are very good at um looking at just for a number for something, I think yeah. sometimes, do you know? It's that looking for this summative assessment that, that shows you that that's had an impact. But actually you're right, it's it's really hard to um to equate this focus on health and wellbeing, which I think growth mindset very much falls within. Uh, within the health and wellbeing curriculum and it's there it's 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 affording us the opportunity to be able to talk about growth mindset in that sense and to put and to devote so much time in the curriculum to it but how can we equate that to improvement in maths attainment yeah and i don't i don't think um it's even necessary to be able to do that on a number on a spreadsheet on a page because actually you can you can know if you know the children really well and if you can speak to them and see from their parents, they're they're talking to you about improvements in their attitude and their enthusiasm. You're hearing their language change, their general body language sometimes mm. changes. And actually, just when you mentioned maths there, there's in the secondary sector specifically, there's a big focus on making maths count mm. and a, a huge drive forward um, on getting young people to engage with mathematics because we know that numeracy is not as good as it should be, um, or could be, rather. Mm. Um, and one of the issues when you speak to young people, some young people find maths really difficult, yeah, and their parents find maths really difficult, and actually, does that put people off engaging with the work of maths? Are we building up a problem here saying maths is really, really difficult, and actually, 
it's probably not that difficult. Yeah. But in our heads, we're building it up and we're we're having a real fixed mindset here about a subject like maths. And there'll be other subjects yeah. that fit into that as There's well. There's an excellent book um, by Joel Bowler called The Elephant in the Classroom and it addresses okay. that issue right there about, about maths. And uh-huh. about there's this culturally accepted thing. To, it's okay to say, well, I'm rubbish at maths. Yeah. And actually, yeah, growth mindset, I think, challenges that and gets us away from actually just saying, well, yeah, okay, I'm finding that that particular aspect of maths difficult or I'm finding this, but going into something with the core belief that all I need to do is work hard at this and then I'm going to be able to achieve that will have an impact. And obviously the research is showing this. Anecdotally, we're seeing this mm-hmm. in our schools. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I would say that it's, it's for me, it's one of the, the the biggest changes that I've seen in terms of education since when I was at school. I was never encouraged to think about my own thinking and mm-hmm. think about the way that my brain worked or and how the, you learned and how I learned and yeah. learning styles and learning theories. I was never that was never shared with me uh-huh. because it, it wasn't important. It was about working my way through a curriculum that was like a catalogue of things that I needed to do. And that worked very well for me. I was okay at that. I had a good memory and I could get through things. Whereas I think this is the real way to see, sorry, that's my watch beeping. <laughs> I think that this is, this is a real way that we can challenge that attainment gap because it's quite an equitable thing. To be able to say to everybody, we've all got different strengths, we all just need to work hard. Everyone can work hard. So it's about everyone pulling together. Maybe that's a really good summary. I mean, we're we're probably quite biased here that we think growth mindset's a really positive thing. Um, And we've given you, we've tried to have given you a balanced um, argument here about the positives and the, the potential pitfalls. But we would ask you to continue this discussion on Twitter, on EduBleather, Um, If there's anything that you disagree with us, please post it on there. If you want to give a counter-argument about actually fixed mindset is better, if you think growth mindset, if there's other pitfalls or other positives that we've missed out, then we are looking for your thoughts and we'll maybe invite you on to contribute um, to a future podcast. So that's EduBleather and we'd be happy to continue the conversation on there. Excellent. So we're going to move on to the next section of our podcast just now. Uh, and we quite like uh, Jason and I both um, very much feel that uh, the podcast that we listen to, there's always um, something that we can take away from that, something very practical, something that we can uh, go into school the next day and try out, something mm-hmm. that we can start doing. And we're, we, we really want this to be, yes, we want to challenge thinking and we want to have these big educational discussions but we also want there to be something that's just useful for the next day basically so we're going to every episode we're going to um recommend something i think is what we're going to yeah we've not got a catchy name for no. it just now, but we're <laughs> going to try and recommend something so that might be recommending someone to follow on twitter it might be recommending an app or a resource or a book um and we just feel that that would be a really useful thing that someone will be able to take away think of it like your free gift yeah from the podcast <laughs> <laughs> so this week we've chosen um to recommend an app and it's an app that i use regularly and it's currently only available on on apple um, through iTunes and the App Store, um, but they are in the moment kind of developing a bit of a, a kind of other platforms there. And the app is called Day One. Um, so at the moment, I think it's free, but at one point you did have to pay for it. But I tell you, it's the best money um, you ever spent, and you would never look back, Jude. Wow. Um, so the app is essentially just a 
it's like a, I guess it's just a, a place to write down things or take photos and store photos. But what I use it for is a kind of professional learning log. Okay. Um, so it's like a, a journal of, a journal. of yeah. training, so of professional development. Absolutely. So I, I anything I go to, so I'll make my notes in there. I'll take photos of slideshows, of posters, anything, any resources, and it's all stored in one place. Um, I also would use it to maybe reflect on my own practice. So when I come up to my annual review, I, I make notes about right what's gone well this year, what's what's my next steps for next session, um, and it's all in the one place. You can use tags as well, so you can tag things in terms of themes that you're working on. Um, so some of the tags that I have just now are around leadership, or um, I maybe have it around um, different priorities, linking in with the school improvement plan. You can link into Higgius as well. You can set whatever tags you want. Right. And then it means you, when you're searching back through it, you can actually look at your changing thoughts as you move on throughout the year or and years. The, is it searchable? How good is the search function? So there's a number of ways you can search. You can search just plain text, so just type in whatever you're looking for. You can search by date, you can search by year, you can search by tag, you can star particular entries. So if you think actually this is a really good piece that I've written here, I'm going to star this and then you, you build up a bank of your kind of best work. It also shows you on this day, so as you move forward, it gives you a notification a year ago today, this is what your entry was. Um, you can tag your activity, what you were doing at the time, and what listen, what you were listening to, um, in terms of music, if you show, uh, <laughs> like if you that, so wish, you? yeah. And um, is it accessible? Um, so it's all stored on the cloud. It is the magical cloud. <laughs> the magical cloud. <laughs> so I, can I then access that through my iPad? Yeah. So so I've got it on my my iPad. I've got it on my phone, and I've got it on my my desktop computer as well. So wherever I am and whatever device I'm using. I can access the same thing. It's totally secure, so it's encrypted. So what you write is not shareable by anyone else unless you choose to share it. Um, but the beauty of it is you can export from day, day one into a PDF, and then you can upload that PDF into your, your GTC professional update or anywhere else you choose. Um, they're also developing a really exciting feature um, where you can turn your entries into a book. Wow. But at the moment, it's only available in the USA. Um, so you can essentially make your own little book um, that is printed with all your photographs, with maps of where you've posted your, your um, reflections. And you could essentially set up a book for each year or if you were working on a particular project or professional learning task, you could create a booklet of that. Um, all exportable, all really secure, um, but the thing I like about it, Jude, is wherever I am, so I'm on the bus into town, I've got my phone with me, a thought pops into my head and I write down stuff. And it's got pictures, it's also got links to Twitter, links to websites, so it's all in one place. I love it. It sounds great and I love your enthusiasm for it. So it sounds really good. I, I don't have any shares in the company. <laughs> it's um, something I know and I, I'm guessing that we'll have some listeners that feel the same, that the GTCS professional update is something that in our busy lives of teaching that it's something that can be ignored and I, I think it's something that 
is really important. It's something that's obviously essential in terms of Absolutely. standards for registration. But it's it's something that I think is a really good part of just being a reflective practitioner. And actually this app, uh, Jay's shown me through it, obviously, um, it looks fantastic. And it looks like just a really nice, seamless way of being able to quickly build a habit of just constantly adding to this. Yeah. And then imagine just being able to upload that PDF right at the end of a certain time period and then that's all your GTCS done. And it, yeah. it, it completely done. You it's about, about what's entries. easy for you, isn't it? And that works for me. And, do you know, day one is the one I'm recommending to you, but essentially any other type of journaling app that's out there, and there are loads out there. I trialled a few, but I, I settled on day one because that looked mm. really intuitive and it had the pictures, it had the links... Um, and all the searchable features that I really liked about it. It reminds me a lot of Evernote, and I know that Evernote's incredibly uh, yeah. popular. The one uh, downside to Evernote is that, um, one, there's a monthly payment that you're having to pay, uh, so you, that you can only, with the with the sort of freer versions, you can only access it on a restricted number of devices. Uh, Whereas is this one app, you pay for the one app, and then you've got that across multiple devices. Yeah. So um, that might be the one big benefit there. Definitely. Really. And it's um, all backed up as well, so it's really good. So, yeah, have a wee look at it. Brilliant. I will. Thank you very much. Um, the next section we're going to move on to um, is called Inspired By. Ooh, da-da-da-da. <laughs> very exciting. Um, and again, Jason's going to take the lead on this one. Um but I can firsthand say that I have been inspired by it. So <laughs> just this evening as well. Just this evening. It's very exciting. Fresh. Um, so we were at a, a session this week um, in my job where we all get together and we were looking at um, the scale framework. So for those of you who are up to date, you'll be aware of scale. So the Scottish College for Educational Leadership um, a, a hugely uh, valuable organisation which has really put a lot of time, effort and money into professional learning, in particular leadership um, and leadership at, at four different levels, so teacher level, middle leadership, school leadership and system leadership. Um, and they've developed the Scale Framework, so scaleframework.com is the website um, it's totally free for you to use if you're employed um, in education in Scotland, um, funded by the Scottish Government, so it's a really good um, tool. And there's loads of online learning. So what you can do is, at the moment I'm, I'm logged in, I can choose between teacher leadership, middle leadership, school leadership or system leadership. There's different themes I could choose, um, there's different criteria that I could put in and I've chosen self-evaluation for improvement in a formal leadership role but there's loads of other different types of online courses so school improvement, um, leading professional learning of your colleagues, understanding current legislation so there's really valuable things that we just don't have the time or things are in different places around in different websites this pulls it all together i, I loved it um jace was just showing, showing me through this and there's just a huge number of uh, courses and modules that you can go into but what i thought was fantastic about this and you just touched on it there was that it brings everything together and i think um quite often in this profession uh, in terms of professional reading or in terms of looking for stuff to improve on a particular area we're all very good at looking at areas speaking of growth mindset we know mm -hmm. areas that we need yep. to improve on but it's, I've often found it hard to find that 
key bit of CPD that might not be being offered by your local authority or yeah. might not be as easy to find, but that actually it's all in one place here. So you work your way systematically through a set of modules. You're logged in as yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there are links to videos. There's yep. links to professional reading. But the amazing thing about this is, again, because the resource has been developed so well, is that there's these reflective questions that, again, encourage you to reflect on the reading or the video that you've just watched. It gives you space to be able to answer these questions within the unit and then hey, presto, you can upload this Mm -hmm. as a PDF. You can export that as a PDF once you've finished, again to your GTCS to show that. And I think the important thing is we're not just saying here we're just uploading loads of evidence. The really important bit about this, Jude, is the reflection. So even if you're not uploading it to GTCS, the fact that you're engaging with the videos or the research or the standards at national level, you're entering in and you're thinking about your own school, whether it's primary or secondary, you're, you're actually reflecting and it's helping you to move forward. Um, so you can get this resource for free, scaleframework.com. You can log in with your Glow account or set up your own account and choose from a variety of things. It's a, a really good tool that you could maybe take your colleagues through if you're leading something in school and it gives you that, that structure to hang something on, but also you can just work through it on your own and develop your understanding of I think it's a really good um, a a good one stop shop for someone that's looking at all levels because it's not just for system leaders or just for school leaders establishment Mm -hmm. leaders it's actually for for people that are wanting to develop develop their career that are wanting so if it's people that are looking for opportunities um, for career development for leaders in school to be thinking about well I know that as a school we need to improve this Everything is here and it is so robust. There is so much there that you would be able to find something. If you're looking for development, you're going to be able to find it here, most definitely. Definitely. Agree. Excellent. Well, I think we've arrived at that time. Yeah, (laughs) I think it would be... um, timely for us to say that anything that we've mentioned so like the day one app or the um scale resources there we'll put those notes in in the show notes at the end uh we'll also put our uh, twitter handle at edublether in the show notes as well um i think i've had a fantastic time recording this first episode it's been really uh it's been good hasn't it interesting really engaging i've got a lot from it which is exactly what we were setting out to do at the start (laughs) to be able to just discuss things that we're really passionate about and hopefully that passion and enthusiasm has come across Well, that's the end of our first episode. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you want to engage more, then follow us on Twitter, at EduBleather, subscribe to us on iTunes, or on whatever your favourite podcasting app is. The next episode of EduBleather focuses on assessment as our main feature, as well as bringing you up to date on interesting developments in Scottish education.